welcome to Easy, Easy Bake, Bake Takes. Takes, the podcast where we read you the one-star reviews of your favorite movies and more. My name's Kat. And I'm Riley. And if you listened to our science episode last week, we had a brief detour where we talked about doing movies from our childhood that are like fever dreams. I'm doing Cat in the Hat, the live action version of Cat in the Hat from 2003, which is rated PG, classified as a family comedy, and is an hour and 22 minutes. It's a short movie. It is. And long at the same time. There's a lot happening. There's a lot happening. <laughs> yeah. And obviously, this movie is based on the book, The Cat in the Hat, by Dr. Seuss. And the plot of the live-action Cat in the Hat is... Conrad and Sally Walden live in Anvil with their single mother, Joan, who works for neat freak, neat freak Hank Humberflub as a real estate agent and is dating their next-door neighbor, Larry Quinn. One day, Joan leaves her children at home with babysitter Mrs. Kwan while she goes to the office, forbidding them to enter the living room, which is being kept pristine for an office party she is hosting that night. After Mrs. Kwan falls asleep, a bump came from the closet. Sally and Conrad go upstairs to investigate, and they meet the cat in the hat, an anthropomorphic talking cat with a red and white striped top hat and a large red bow tie. They scream, run, and try to hide, but the cat quickly comes to them as he introduces Introduces himself and wants to teach them how to have fun. In the process, the cat leaves a trail of destruction throughout the house and releases two troublemakers named Thing One and Thing Two from a crate, which he locks and forbids the children to tamper with, explaining that it is a portal to his world. Despite the cat's warning, Conrad picks the lock on the crate, which grabs onto the collar of the family dog, Nevins, who runs off. The trio drive the cat's super-powered car to search for Nevins and get the lock back. Larry is revealed to be an unemployed slob in debt, pretending to be a successful businessman in order to marry Joan for her money. He wants to get Conrad out of the way by sending him to military school. Larry sees Nevins and kidnaps him, but the cat tricks Larry into returning the dog. Larry tells Joan to meet him at the house. When the kids and the cat return to the house with the lock, Larry cuts them off and orders them inside the house, where he sneezes uncontrollably due to his allergy to the cat, who takes advantage and scares him away, only for them to find out the house has been transformed into the mother of all messes, with Larry falling into a gooey abyss. The cat, Sally, and Conrad ride on Mrs. Kwan and navigate the through the surreal house to find the crate and lock it, whereupon the house returns to its normal proportions but immediately collapses. In a heated argument, the kids discover that the cat planned the whole day and order him to leave. Conrad and Sally resign themselves to facing the consequences when Joan comes home, but when all appears to be lost, the cat returns with a cleaning invention and fixes the house. Conrad and Sally reconcile with the cat and thank him for everything. He departs just as Joan arrives. Larry, covered in goo, comes in thinking he has busted the kids, but when Joan sees the clean house, she doesn't believe his story and dumps him. After this, the successful party, Joan spends quality time with her kids by jumping on the couch with them while the cat and things one and two walk off into the sunset. The end. Oh, they're loose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Portal to another world. It just sounds like he's a demon. Which it does. I'm pretty convinced he might be. Uh-huh. And just reading the description of it makes this movie sound even more insane than watching it. This could be anything. <laughs> this could be anything. You change a few words, it could mm -hmm. be a demon, it could be the devil. Yes. But this movie was directed by Bo Welch, and this was his first time directing a movie, and he was better known for his production design in movies like Me the Men in Black franchise, Edward Scissorhands, and A Little Princess. Mm. And following this theme of prolific filmmakers... The writers were Alec Berg, who is a showrunner, who is the showrunner on Barry and was the showrunner on Silicon Valley. Oh my God, that's crazy. David Mandel, who is the showrunner slash writer on Veep 
and is a writer and was a writer on SNL and wrote the movie The Dictator. Um, and then and then Jeff Schaefer, who is the co-creator of the show Dave. And all three of these writers are best known for their work on Seinfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh my god. Yeah. No wonder it's so fucking weird, you know? Yeah. Like, and I could you can tell it's supposed to be a kid's movie, but these guys did not want to write a kid's movie. No, they're like, what can we get away with? <laughs> what can we get away with? A lot. Yeah. <laughs> that makes so much sense that it's people... Have you seen Barry? Holy shit. Yeah. That that show yeah. is crazy. That show is crazy. Yeah. It's in this last season and it's insane right now. Yeah. And then to uh, keep this level going, the cinematographer is Emmanuel Lubezki, the Oscar winning cinematographer oh who did God. the cinematography for The Revenant, The Tree of Life, and Birdman. Oh my fucking God. And many more. All three of those movies are crazy. Crazy, crazy. Yeah. He's an Oscar winning cinematographer. There's too much energy and too much, there's too much wild energy for this movie to have, yeah. Too many cooks. Too many cooks. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. And then the music was by David Newman, who I think is related to, oh no, he is related to Randy Newman. Oh, yeah. Who was originally supposed to do the music for this movie. And then the cast. Oh, God. Mike Myers is the cat. Dakota Fanning plays Sally. Spencer Breslin plays Conrad. Kelly Preston plays Joan, the mom. Alec Baldwin plays Larry Quinn. Amy Hill plays Mrs. Kwan. Sean Hayes plays <laughs> Hank Humberflube and the fish. Fired. He plays the fish, too? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, he voices the fish. Yeah, they were like, oh, we need more. <laughs> we need yeah. fill in the space. And then Danielle Chuckrin and Taylor Rice played thing one. And Brittany Oaks and Talia Lynn Price played thing two. And Dan Castellan Castellanetta voices the things. And then Victor Brandt is the narrator. I didn't know they needed that many actors for thing one and thing two. They must have been kids. So they probably were like, let's get multiple of you. That makes sense. So we can move on to the trivia. In the late 1980s, Dr. Seuss expressed interest in getting his book, The Cat in the Hat, made into a movie. His choices for the role of the title character were Robin Williams, Steve Martin, John Candy, Eddie Murphy, or Jack Nicholson. By the time this movie got greenlit, however, none of these actors, excluding Candy, who died in 1994, were ever approached for the role. So they never reached out to the people that Dr. Seuss himself wanted to play the cat. I'm going to say something. I'm glad they did it. Yeah. If, I, if Robin played this character, I don't think I could... Look at him the same. I think Steve Martin could do it. Steve Martin could probably do it. Jack Nicholson would just be scary. <laughs> he would scare the shit out of the kids. Yeah. Scare the shit out of the kids. Scare the shit out of oh, me. Oh, you don't want to have fun, do you? <laughs> <laughs> you know he would, you know they would have made uh, uh here's Johnny reference. They would have made yes. such a here's Johnny reference. But the next trivia fact I have is that Tim Allen was initially considered for the role of the cat. The script was initially based on a version of the original book's story conceived by Allen himself, who admitted that as a child, he was afraid of Seuss's mischievous feline babysitter. <laughs> Allen was committed. <laughs> Allen was already committed to shooting Disney's The Santa Claus 2. So due to scheduling conflicts with that film, he dropped out of the role. Afterwards, both Will Ferrell and Billy Bob Thornton were considered for the role sling blade really <laughs> my god all i know him from is whenever he dated angelina jolie i mean he's a great actor he does not read kids movies to me no he'd be scary in the same way jack nicholson would be scary yeah but eventually in march of 2002 the role of the cat was given to mike myers and myers stated in an er interview that he was a longtime fan of the original dr seuss book and that it was the first book he ever read oh <laughs> 
Okay. Which I think anybody could probably. I think anyone could say that. Claim. I feel like anyone yeah. could plug plug it. No one's gonna go. No, you didn't. Or like, no, that's not true. Yeah. Another fact, which I didn't, I didn't know all this, but apparently Mike Myers was legally obligated to star in this film. In 1998, Myers signed a two-picture deal with Universal and Imagine Entertainment to write and star in a big-screen adaptation of his Dieter character from SNL titled Sprockets. In June of 2000, during pre-production, the writer-actor announced that he wasn't happy with the script and refused to move forward as he simply needed two more months' writing time. But Universal and producer Imagine Entertainment saw it as a breach of contract, Universal filed for $3.8 million to recoup production costs. The imagined suit demanded $30 million and called Myers, quote, egomaniacal, irresponsible, and selfish, end quote. Myers countersued for $2 million for fraud, intentional infliction of emotional distress, and defamation, also stating that he had been, quote, emotionally traumatized by the studio's, quote, thug-like, outrageous, and re- reckless <laughs> conduct. <God. laughs> End quote. And then representatives from DreamWorks ultimately helped negotiate an out-of-court settlement between Myers, Universal, and Imagine. So he was, he literally was legally obligated to be in this movie. I love that DreamWorks came in and they were like, this is our Shrek. We hey, 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 whoa, whoa. This, is our, this is our Shrek money we're talking about. It's our star. Yeah. Don't fuck with it. <laughs> I, that is so fucking funny. And it's just like, those are harsh words for a mega children's company coming after this huge star i just kind of love it because it's like whatever what the fuck i do love that though and it reminds me of that scene where he makes the kiss in the contract he's got like three (laughs) different lawyers there it's Mm -hmm. pretty funny yep (laughs) it was so funny watching this knowing that he didn't want to be there yeah Kind of held hostage, like almost, you know, a financial gunpoint. Yeah. I would have loved to know how long he had already been writing for, for them to be upset over two months of an extension. Yeah. So originally Rick Baker was set to be the prosthetic makeup designer for the film after his previous experience with How the Grinch Stole Christmas. But due to conflicts with the studio and production team, particularly with Meyer's behavior, they claim that he showed up late to meetings and refused to come to makeup punctually. He would refuse to show up to makeup tests one time. Oh, he, he's doing an FU to them. Mm-hmm. And the complex challenge of designing the character's makeup, he left the project and was replaced by Steve Johnson, one of his earliest apprentices. So the guy who did the makeup for the Grinch was originally supposed to do it, but he did not want to deal with Myers. It makes sense because what Jim Carrey had to go through in the Grinch with, I mean, seven hours of makeup every time they, I mean, weekly. You can't be late for that. Yeah, you can't. Jim Carrey was at least like willing to do it, even even though it was causing him trauma. (laughs) Yes. Someone like this who clearly doesn't want to be there is deliberately wasting everyone's time. No wonder, like, when you think about the comparisons to what Jim Carrey wore, you can see the yak hair compared to Mike Myers, who literally just looks like he's, he just jumped into a fursuit and they did some makeup on his face. Yeah. I'm sure if Rick Baker was the one that ended up doing it, it probably would have been as extensive as the Grinch makeup. And that's what I was trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. But I can imagine, like, having that plan or, like, having a plan to do something that's going to take a while and the person who you're supposed to do it on not even showing up to the test for it on time i would leave too be like that was so much to deal with somebody who was willing to do it i'm not gonna deal with somebody who won't even show up on time to do this i would be so frustrated so i don't blame him for leaving and it just makes sense knowing just looking at the different costumes of them yeah speaking of the costume the cat costume was made of angora and human 
hair and was Ew. fitted with a cooling system. It, you would have to. Like, you'd be sweating. They're outside a lot. It'd be disgusting. He's running in it. He's jumping in it. They filmed on location, too. Wait, wait, on location, like... I'll get to it. But he was actually outside. Like, they weren't in a studio. Oh, okay. So, apparently the purple goo that covers Alec Baldwin's character at the end of the movie was made of chicken fat dyed purple. That's disgusting. I would quit just for that. Yeah. But, so, the next trivia fact I have is that the fish was considered somewhat of a unique character for Rhythm and Hughes Studios, who were responsible for visual effects and animation in films such as Mouse Hunt, Cats and Dogs, Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, and Scooby-Doo. But the fish was considered unique because the character had no shoulders, hips, or legs, so all of the physical performance had to emit from the eyes, head, and fin motion. Sean Hayes, who provided the voice for the fish, found the role significantly different from his usual on-camera jobs. He did not know how the final animation would look resulting in all of his voice work taking place alone in the sound booth i could imagine like voicing a character like that where you can't even see how its movements are yet it must be weird yeah it doesn't feel like that at least in the movie it doesn't feel like he was i don't think it was bad or anything it's just it's just a that's got to be a weird thing to do yeah exactly apparently prior to filming about fifty five thousand dollars worth of props were stolen and the oh stolen props were later found in a mall dumpster covered in graffiti what the fuck that's hilarious. And of course, that would definitely happen in this movie. I mean, the props that were listed, I don't remember all of them, but I don't remember seeing them in the movie. So they must have just been like, well, fuck, we're not doing that anymore. Yeah. God, that's so funny. Of course, that mm -hmm. would happen with this movie. It seemed like a very thing one, a thing two to do. <laughs> So the thing I was talking about, how them filming on location. So the neighborhood in the town center was filmed in a rural valley near Simi Valley where 24 houses were constructed. Oh, so you're talking about like it's actually... They villaged it. Whoa. I thought mm -hmm. it was all green screen or set design, like in a studio warehouse. They built those houses. Wow. That's weird. Also... The downtown area outdoor shots were filmed along Pomona Street, where a number of antique and gift shops are located. The community decided not to redecorate after filming ended, so the surreal paint scheme and some of the signage could still be seen today as it appeared in the film, which I think is really cool because I do like the set design in this movie a lot. Like it's so like accurate to Dr. Seuss, and it looks goofy and fun. I love it. I like I like that they liked it. Mm -hmm. That's kind of nuts. Yeah. Uh, okay. According to Amy Hill, Myers was difficult to work with on set, refusing to talk to anyone on the production team and isolating himself from the cast and crew during breaks in filming. The only people he would talk to would be the director and his assistant. She also noted that there would be retakes of scenes because Welch, who was a first-time director, would often let Myers decide whether they were good enough or not. In addition, Hill stated that Myers had an assistant who held chocolates in a Tupperware, and whenever Myers needed a piece of chocolate, his assistant would come over and give him one. There must be, it's a common thing that people did not like him on this set because he kind of sounded like a jerk. Yeah. Because, like, aside from what happened between him and the studio, there are other people who need to be there to do their job. Yeah. You're holding up everybody. Well, you don't want to be a dick about it, too. Yeah, Especially don't ruin it kids. for everyone. The kids right yeah. there. Like, be nice to the kids. Mm -hmm. I love the chocolate little detail. That just sounds a little... Honestly, I was about to say it sounds weird, but, like, I had an assistant, and I could have a little piece of chocolate whenever I want. I want, like, a little treat. I just give a little signal to my assistant, and they come over with chocolate. Okay, I kind of get it. I kind of get it. I kind of get it. You know, if you have if you have one, use it. 
you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you want a little treat every now and then. Skill a piece of chocolate for your sister. I get it. And honestly, if he wasn't a dick, I would, I think, I would think that would be pretty fucking funny. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's still kind of fucking funny. Exactly. But it would be more of like a little quirky thing he did. Yeah. Get some to the kids. But he didn't like the kids, apparently, so. Well, he just wouldn't talk to anybody else. Oh, okay. It's, it's rude. It's very rude and very cold. Yeah. Also, the director letting him be like, yeah, it's good. We can move on. You're the director, dude. You're getting way too much power. Especially for someone who doesn't want to do this movie. That's way too much power. He was probably like, okay, well, he doesn't want to be here, so I'm just going to let him do whatever he wants. Just make him happy, I guess. Ugh. Yeah. I would hate to be in that situation. Directing someone who doesn't want to be there or gives a shit. That sounds like hell. That sounds like hell. It does not sound fun. You can't fire him because he's legally obligated to be there. Yep. The studio legally wants him there. Out of, out of pettiness. It's pettiness. Mm -hmm. So apparently this movie won the Golden Raspberry. Oh, yes. <laughs> so it won the Golden Raspberry for worst excuse for an actual movie, all concept, <laughs> no content, and Spr Spencer Breslin. I just thought this was really mean. Spencer Breslin won a Stinker's Bad Movie Award for worst performance by a child in a feature role for his role as Conrad in the film. Because the Stinker's Bad Movie Awards, a lesser version of the Razzies, hated Breslin's performance in the film so much, and because he was one of the most recognizable kid actors actors of the time, not only did they create a new award for the worst performance by a child in a feature role, they named it the Spencer Breslin Award. That's actually really mean-spirited. It's a child. That's actually really awful. The fact that, that that award exists to bully children. Yeah. That's actually pretty cruel. That's fucked up. I don't even have any words to say other than that's kind of fucked up. A sequel based on the original book's sequel, The Cat in the Hat Comes Back, was in development just over a month before the film's release, with Myers and Welch to return to their duties as actor and director, respectively. Following the film's poor reception, however, Seuss's widow, Audrey Geisel, decided not to allow any subsequent live-action adaptations of her late husband's works, resulting in the scrapping of the sequel. I know that one. She hated mm -hmm. it so much. I don't blame her, because, yeah. like, I I love this movie for the insaneness of it and whatever. I understand they took his work in a very different direction. I would love to hear what he thinks about it, but he is not alive, so. I don't know. I don't know whether that was a good call or not. I think it was because imagine a live action Lorax. I kind of want it. <laughs> I kind of want it, especially with Danny DeVito. Want, yeah, because he was the, because he was the, he uh, the voice. Yeah, maybe it should have, st I mean, he did a good job voicing him, so maybe it should just stop there, I guess. Mm, I wouldn't see Danny DeVito in a Lawrence costume in like seven hour Jim Carrey level Grinch <laughs> level costume but for Danny DeVito in the Lorax. The funniest thing is like if you put the Grinch makeup on Danny DeVito, <laughs> it'd just be this little tiny, like he would, he's shaped like the Lorax, you know, like it, <laughs> yeah, it would work. It would make sense. <laughs> But that was the last of my trivia. I know you said you don't have a whole lot of thoughts, but... <laughs> Who has a lot of thoughts when watching this movie? The movie speaks for itself. It does. It's weird. It's different. It's, it's definitely different. Especially, like, The Grinch has, in my opinion, way more of a narrative than... Oh, yeah. ...than uh, this movie does. It's got Christmas, like, grounding it to something. Uh-huh. The Cat in the Hat, even as a book, it's just shenanigans. Would you call The Cat in the Hat the cat uh, an anti-hero? For sure. For sure. I would call him an anti-hero because I don't sure. trust him. I, there's not a moment in this movie where I actually... Nobody should. I don't think he has good intentions. I really don't. Like, he cleaned up the mess, but only because they yelled at him. <laughs> I'll get you, and I'll make it look like a bloody accident. <laughs> 
That was, okay, you can't tell me that that scene isn't funny. That's a funny scene. The bitch cuts his own tail off. Yes. What is happening? I don't know. He is an anti-hero though, because he is. There's just I don't know. There's just something not not trusting about him. Yeah. Even though like he taught them a lesson by the end of it, like they learned a lesson. Did they? What's the lesson? I was about to ask. Like, don't what do be they that learn? chaotic. That's the lesson. <laughs> You need to have fun, but don't be too, don't, not too much. The message is like barely there. It's just chaos. I didn't take morals away from this movie as a child. No, no, no. I did get a lot of stress from it though. <laughs> this is your uncut gems. This is my uncut gems. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Cause you know, the house was a wreck and I'm like, mom's going to get home and she's going to yell. She's going to be mad. Yeah. That's fair. Imagine you didn't even make the mess and you have no way to prove that you didn't make the mess. Yeah, you're going to be blamed no matter what. It's str- I get it. I get it. I know she comes home to a clean house, but it's still stressy out. Like the timing and everything too is like yeah. so close. The tension in this movie. Yeah, the tension in this movie, A+. Plus. Mm-hmm. But I think it's like as a kid, you know, you watch the same movie over and over again. You, you're you like, what, what are the chances she comes home? What if something different happens this what time? What if something different happens this time? What if it changes? It's the director's cut. <laughs> exactly exactly yeah uh, uh, that's, uh. if that's it i understand because it's all just like the the insanity of this movie because it speaks for itself but yeah well honey the dress was ruined when she bought it <laughs> it's like this movie formed my it formed and shaped my <laughs> sense of humor i don't that's a something i don't want to admit is like this movie had a large part in what i found funny <laughs> i kind of still do <laughs> the literally the i'll get you and i'll make it look like a bloody accident still gets me to this day i still find that funny exactly but is there anything else specifically you wanted to add or you want me to get into mine i think it was i think those literally the last two things i wanted to say yeah yeah Okay, so last week I mentioned that I watched this movie as much as I watched Coraline. And if you know me, Coraline is a movie that Serena and I one time watched like five times in the same day. Like back to back to back to back. Literally. Beyond a comfort movie. Yeah, it was more like Serena and I were so obsessed with like figuring out like stuff that we didn't see the first. Like it was like. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. We wanted to like pick up on other little things in the movie. Fucking dorks. Uh, (laughs) But we watched this movie a lot. We scratched the DVD. That's how often you watched it. God. Yes. God. <laughs> we had the PS2 game. Like. Oh my God. Good <laughs> lord. So I, I loved this movie a lot. Watched it a lot. I'm realizing as an adult that I was a lot like Sally as a child. Just like I didn't. I wasn't focused on what college I was going to. But I was like as bossy and scary as her as a child. Yeah. <laughs> control freak. I was a fucking control freak. Yeah. Was. Is. I don't know. Um, am am <laughs> i i also found myself still reciting lines from it as i was watching it i again like you said there's this movie really speaks for itself it's like just goofy chaos and that scene where he gets uh hit in the nuts with a baseball bat by the kid when he mm-hmm. thinks he's a pinata mm-hmm. and then easy starts playing and he's swinging on the swing when i watched baby driver and the mom started singing that song all i could think of was that scene from cat in the hat like <laughs> oh my god i love that like, I could not take that part of the movie seriously. I was like, did it have to be this song? Did it have to be this song? Is it really? Oh my God. I think I missed that. I must have fallen yeah. asleep or something. Dang, that's funny. <laughs> I I don't have much else to say. I think uh, the the critics will, will have some good stuff to say. Yeah. Also, the audience reviews are as chaotic as the movie. As the movie. <laughs> yeah. 
Love it. If you're ready, we can move on to the critics. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it has on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 10% from critics. Oh, wow. And a 57% from audience and a 4 out of 10 on IMDb. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> that was about what I thought because I knew the audiences was, was going to be way higher than the critics. I didn't know it was going to be that low. Right? But it, it does, it makes sense. For the people who yeah. love it, they love it. <laughs> Yes. This was another one where it was like, as a kid, I didn't, I didn't see anything wrong with it because I was like, this is just you're this, a kid. It's a kid's chaos. Movie. I love it. It was made yeah. for us. It's a little bit of that, but I also like, as an adult, I get why people would be pissed off at it. I get why adults were like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. This is awful. <laughs> this is atrocious. They had to sit through it. <laughs> they had to sit through it. As a kid. I understand why I liked it as a kid, and I understand why people hate it as adults. I understand. Mm-hmm. I get it. Mm-hmm. I understand. Mm-hmm. For it's sure. not a good movie. It's not. No, it's not. It isn't. Um, but the first review that I have is from the Washington Post, and it was written by Stephen Hunter in 2003, starting with, quote, The cat in the hat is so good, it breaks your heart for not being better. It is kept from brilliance by a soggy climax and a clumsy central narrative device. But you say, what else is there? How could there be much more? After all, this is a movie adapted from a poem of a few hundred words about two kids alone in a house on a rainy day who are tempted toward mischief by an imaginary puss in a funny hat. Actually, though, there's quite a lot. And why not begin with Dakota Fanning? The nine-year-old is breathtakingly fresh and funny in the movie in ways that are astounding. Well-trained child actors can usually do a very good job of following instructions given by grown-ups, and they come across winningly enough as little mimics obeying their masters. She's actually acting in the most meaningful sense of the word, creating in her imagination a character, defining a personality for the character, and communicating the character's internal states through nuance, gesture, inflection, and presence, end quote. I appreciate that they... I mean, to be fair, when a kid's good, they're good. Yeah, I like I like that they were praising Dakota Fanning. Yeah, I can. I you can see the talent from early on. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have said all that. Not that level. Not in the, not for this movie. Yeah. <laughs> but no. But like, I get what they're saying. Like, she's doing more than the average kid would. The beginning of this, I thought they were being sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, I thought they were literally being sarcastic. But I guess they're being genuine. Yeah, but they say. Quote, well, what the hell is this thing? No, it's not Dr. Seuss's the cat in the hat. It's Mike Myers' cat in the hat. End quote. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah. And then lastly, quote, the director, Bo Welch, is a former productions designer. And so in some f- ways, the film seems more production designed than directed. Fair. Sometimes, That's a very good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Sometimes the design works. Sometimes it doesn't. It works, alas, least well when it should work most well. This is in the movie's climax in which the mess that Thing 1 and Thing 2 render unto Mom's perfect house is supposed to be the mother of all messes, a mess so biblical in scope that it encompasses all the schools of art and architecture, an eighth plague upon the Egyptians kind of mess. But it looks more like an Ocean City miniature golf course after a hurricane had dumped it in the fun fair roller coaster <laughs> it's just sort of a mess worth a few seconds of film at 11 but not a lead story the best thing in this film is the fabulous state of dakota which is always pitch perfect and when she's not the center of the movie you miss her the second best thing is the fabulous haze the third best is the volcanic baldwin spewing a lava of hot grease and insinuation wherever he minces myers is funny but he doesn't quite pop madly like you want him to and that fish what a trip End quote. Again, the Dakota Fanning thing. Like, yeah, she's good, but like, let's take it down a notch. Yeah. Baldwin always grossed me out in this movie. Yeah, when he digs in his belly button. It's so nasty. I always like looked away. <laughs> really 
Yeah, it's gross. It really grossed me out. He takes his girdle off. Oh, God. (laughs) It's it's nasty. This was a positive review. And I get it. They are saying Mm -hmm. positive things. But everything. It's just for Dakota Fanning. That's really Mm -hmm. it. That's the only thing, like, that's truly positive. And Sean Hayes. And Sean Hayes. It seems like they kind of liked it. Yeah. But the next review that I have is from Richard Propes. Oh! The, the independent critic, he, 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 he hated it, <laughs> hated it, hated it. He gave it a two out of four. Oh, I love it. And he says, quote, I didn't despise this film nearly as much as I expected. Though considering the beauty of the material it is drawn from, the film remains a definite disappointment. There are two enormous negatives that slammed in the face during the early stages of this film. One, Mike Myers is starting to run out of voices, and I'm getting tired of hearing voices from Austin Powers in other films. Even the five-year-old child I was with during this film recognized the voices during this film as previous characters from his Austin Powers films. Two, Myers spent an extraordinary amount of time during this film imitating the physical performance of Jim Carrey's Grinch. Once again, even the children I was with noticed this fact throughout the film. These two things were distractions throughout the film and kept me from ever suspending disbelief long enough to really enjoy this film. Don't get me wrong, the performances were uniformly respectable, yet I often felt the characters were more caricatures than fully developed characters. Sure, this is somewhat consistent with the writing of Seuss, but... The film simply didn't have the charm and rhythm necessary to carry off this absence of character. Myers did a nice job here. However, I kept thinking to myself, Jim Carrey would have been so much better in this film. Additionally, Myers was supported by Kelly Preston and Alec Baldwin. They offered adequate performances, generally outshined by the child stars Dakota Fanning and Spencer Breslin. Both children particularly shined in the latter half of the film. I really wanted this film to capture the charm, innocence, and wonder of Dr. Seuss. It simply didn't. As directed by Bo Welch, this film was visually appealing yet devoid of any substance. Young children in the audience clearly enjoyed the film, and I think most of the off-color humor was beyond their comprehension. The Cat in the Hat is a reasonable choice for family viewing. However, it remains a disappointment to this critic as the final product clearly did not reach its potential. End quote. It's really funny that he kept comparing like Jim Carrey. And I get it. I see and I see what he's talking about because like it's very similar performances. And also like it's so true. Like Mike Myers just sounds like the same five voices that he has, same different characters. Yeah. There's even a point where like he kind of sounds like Shrek for a second. Like, you know? Yeah. Like it's, I'll get it's, you. It's, it's pretty, it's a little close. It's a little too close. I can't get that. And this was like in the heyday of Mike Myers. Mm-hmm. I understand why he's getting that criticism. Like no one would say that now. No. They said specifically he, you could hear like the fat bastard voice from Austin Powers in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is similar to Shrek. Which is similar to Shrek. It's really only like two or three characters, really. They're all just variations of each other. Yeah. I appreciate that he mentions that like the little kids still enjoyed it. Is there anything else from him that you wanted to mention? No, I think he kind of nails it. I mean, he definitely he's he definitely views it in a more in a more critical way than I would. Yeah, but I don't think he was wrong with anything. I think he was pretty accurate with an adult perception of this movie. Yeah. The next review I have is from Rachel's Reviews by Rachel Wagner in 2015, and Rachel gave this movie an F. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Rachel starts with quote: "There are some movies that are just bad from the start. A live action Cat in the Hat was one of those movies." Unlike the Lorax, where we have a fairly strong narrative with a fable-like story, The Lovely Cat in the Hat by Dr. Seuss is basically a story about having fun on a rainy day. There's just not enough heft there for a feature film. But nevertheless, they made the attempt in 2003, and what you got was one of the worst movies ever made. I have yet to hear of anyone that likes this movie. End quote. Rachel, do you know, like, two people? Like... (laughs) 
Yeah, no kidding. But then they also say, quote, what does this movie do with said story? They turn it into a ghastly looking shout fest with double entendres, potty humor, and generally me- mean spirited nature. Part of the problem is the film confuses chaos with fun. Characters shouting and making messes is not in and of itself pleasant to watch or entertaining. Or maybe it is for 1600 words, but not for 82 minutes in a movie, end quote. If you don't like chaos, like this movie's probably not for you. <laughs> I think she's missing the point, too. It's a kid's movie, and kids confuse chaos with fun most of the time. (laughs) I do think that's a little bit of a silly critique to make. Yeah. Like, criticizing the fun they're having in the movie. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's chaos. It's silly. It's crazy. It's crazy. Kids love crazy. Kids love crazy. They do. But they also say, quote, Mike Myers is the lead cat and is one of the most ghastly makeup jobs and creatures ever put into a movie. I'm sure someone could redo the film and make and turn it into a horror film. Spencer (laughs) Breslin and Dakota Fanning are the kids and they mostly scream at the cat for making a mess and getting them in trouble. Again, not fun to watch. The fish is there, but like most things in this movie looks very disturbing instead of cute. Thing one and two... Thing one and thing two arrive and don't just fly kites, but end up taking ki- the kids on amusement park type ride and destroy the house. It's not funny or interesting, just exhausting. End quote. This, okay, you're being a bummer, <laughs> dude. Come on, you're being an adult. <laughs> there is an edit on YouTube that makes this He's movie a whole- into a horror. Movie. Oh, I bet, and it's so they were right about that. I'll give them credit mm-hmm. for that. It could easily become a horror movie. He looks horrible. He looks disturbing. Even just reading the plot. You could hear it. He's, and that's why I said anti-hero because like he's so like, it's not, there's not good intentions, I don't think. Mm -mm. Again, back to the thing, if like you don't like chaos, I understand how this movie would not be enjoyable to watch if you're easily stressed out. Yeah. It's like the kid's version of the movie Mother. Oh my fucking God. Okay. That movie's literally about people. That's a quote right there. (laughs) Hannah Hat is the kid's version of the movie Mother. (laughs) Holy fucking God. (laughs) It is not. That movie's all about like people just coming in and just like slowly destroying her home. Oh, that's so fucking funny. Oh, that's so fucking funny. I can't believe you made that comparison. That's fucking funny. But I do understand as an adult watching this, if you cannot handle that level of chaos, I could see this movie stressing you out. You said it stressed you out as a child. Yeah, it stressed me as a kid. But you liked it. Uh, But I so liked it. (laughs) I get how just pure chaos is not fun to watch for everybody. Yeah, and yeah. I, I can I can understand that. It's, and again, this was for kids, not adults. So if you saw this in an adult, yeah, yeah. They also say, quote, the cat in the hat creators need to spend more time with kids to understand what fun is for a child because their attempt to create it falls flat every time. Nothing is funny and nothing is fun. When a kid plays, they are random, but not usually complete chaos. They may combine their Star Wars and G.I. Joe characters together in an epic story dominating Barbies, random, but they aren't just flailing about throwing their toys around the room. And if they are, they don't do it for 82 minutes, end quote. You never spend more time with kids. You've never been in a preschool room. <laughs> yeah. Because they're throwing everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing they say is, quote, I suppose the writers were trying to make Myers Shrek style of comedy that was so successful at the time and apply it to this movie. The problem with that, at least with Shrek, not a big fan of those films. Oh. There was an actual. There, <laughs> there that was makes an actual. Sense. <laughs> 
There is an actual story and more than one performer to bounce the humor off of. The little asides and adult jokes are obnoxious in Shrek, but I'd watch all four of those movies on repeat rather than sit through the Cat in the Hat again. Everything doesn't need to be a movie, and Cat in the Hat should have been stopped at the idea stage. Some of the sets look bright and colorful, but in total, it feels like an assault to the senses, so even that isn't pleasant. Badly done, Hollywood. Seuss deserves better than this atrocity. End quote. Well, Dr. Seuss wanted it to be made into a movie, so... He did. This movie is nothing like Shrek. They did not have... They are so different. Yeah. I don't really find the humor similar. At all, no. The humor is very different. And also, DreamWorks is very different than Universal. Universal. Yeah. Are you ready to move on from this one, or do you have anything else you want to say? No, I don't have anything else to say. Okay. So the last review I have is a positive review from Blunt Review by Emily Blunt, not the one that's married to Jim from The Office. <laughs> that's uh, a, I was about to say, like, is, is this her? <laughs> No. Uh, and this is from 2003, and Emily gave it a three out of four. Emily starts with, quote, Cat in the Hat is delightfully different and wildly off for a Dr. Seuss film. It's the wackiest adaptation I think I've ever seen. Who's it for? Not the little ones, that's for sure. <laughs> the crowd murmured and squirmed, and some looked like they swallowed a worm, end quote. Oh, cute. Okay. And then, quote, it's a small audience that will embrace this for the offbeat sketch it is. After all, Dr. Seuss is an institution one dare not reinterpret, end quote. Which I think is an interesting point. It's like, if they went, like, exactly by the book, mm -hmm. it probably would have been way worse. Yeah. But they also say, quote, Mike Myers is great per usual. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I think I cut out another review that said something similar, but they were not the only person who made that pun. Oh, I bet not. I bet people, yeah. I bet whole people, like, were trying to yeah. do the whole Dr. Seuss thing while writing it. Yeah. Yeah. But, quote, his accents and mannerisms are as bizarre as ever. His timing, spectacularly clever. The comments that leak out of the cat and the over-the-top side snide remarks dire directed directly at the over-18 crowd will have your childish sides side-splitting out aloud. Alec Baldwin is spewing and oozing a rare charm mixed with smarm, his bad guy maniacally delivering its harm, and the talented kids are great little props for the cat's fantastically fiendish feats. If you look real close, there's tons of blatantly weird, unfitting, oddly engaging pieces, like a solitary elderly man adrift in the town's busy square holding a white Persian cat gazing longingly into space, or the sudden escape the kids and the cat make into some underground and unexplained rave club. I looked at the kids around me and they had these confused little faces while the adults with them could hardly sit in their place. Bluntly speaking, there's nothing from the original tale except, of course, thing one and thing two, the cat and the hat and the fish. Then it's an all-out mind-blowing adventure trip for adults that refuse to grow up. This is so not what you expect. It's a hilariously naughty-ish, thoroughly acid-trip-like interpretation of Dr. Seuss. Can't wait to see what Welch does next with his wonder pendap delicious maze of a brain enjoy end quote i'm so glad i didn't have to read that because that would have been oh that would have been 20 minutes it was hard <laughs> <laughs> that wonderfully delicious wonder pen delicious i don't fucking know i like this review because mm -hmm. they kind of nail it they kind of nail it why we like it Yes. I understand when Richard was talking about it, how he didn't like it. I totally get it. Yeah. But I also understand her. Yeah. You understand that it's weird and that's why you're so drawn to it. Like, what the fuck? Why was Paris Hilton there? <laughs> exactly. And it's nice to hear an adult in 2003 be able to, like, articulate that, too. Yeah. That was, that's interesting, too. This was probably the most positive one I could find, too. I bet. I bet it was hard. <laughs> 
this is the last critic review that I had. Is there anything else you wanted to say about this review or any of the others? Mm-mm. Okay. So we can move on to the audience reviews. The first one is a 10 out of 10 from IMDb titled Super Hydraulic Instantaneous Transporter from 2019. <laughs> this movie is Super S Hydraulic H <laughs> Instantaneous I Transporter T. Everything is wrong with this movie, which is why it is unironically enjoyed by many, including me to some extent. That's why I didn't give it one star. I actually found it so hilariously bad that I enjoyed many of the repulsive scenes, such as, I'll get you, and I'll make it look like a bloody accident, (laughs) and S-L-O-W, followed by my favorite, Super Hydraulic Instantaneous Transporter. I will never not laugh at those two jokes. That's exactly why. is what we were talking about just before. Like, Mm -hmm. it's the jokes like this that will keep us coming back. Yeah. One thing about this movie is... Most people were on the same page about it that were writing reviews in the more recent times. Like, we all know it's bad. Yeah, we got we it. We all know it's bad. Yeah. The next review I have is a three-star review from 2017 on Letterboxd that says, Best experimental horror films. <laughs> One, Eraserhead, 1977. Two, The Cat in the Hat, 2003. <laughs> very true. Very true. Yes. Yes. And no stars from 2018 on Letterboxd. Didn't watch this. Just wanted to remind everyone that this was shot by three-time Oscar winner Emmanuel Lubezki. <laughs> I know. It is so crazy, the people who made this movie. It's like nuts. It's nuts. It is. This is a one out of ten from IMDb titled, They Ought to Be Ashamed, from <laughs> November of 2003. In short, this movie was a rather hellish experience to sit through. It wasn't very funny, and the only part that made me gasp on cue was when they brought out Alec Baldwin. That man truly scares me. <laughs> Anyway, my husband went to sleep at one point and my little one didn't enjoy it. We left the theater wanting to forget rather than try to recall our favorite scenes because there weren't any. The movie itself was about 5% Seuss and 95% filler crap of foul humor and the like. Overall, it just didn't fit with what Dr. Seuss is all about. Not to mention that the portrayal of the Asian babysitter gave me a hollow feeling inside my stomach. If it was supposed to be funny, it only ended up leaving me disheartened. I will say that is one thing about this movie is like the whole babysitter thing with Miss Kwan and like her watching Taiwanese parliament and showing Taiwanese parliament as people just fighting on. Oh, I didn't know that that's what it was. Yeah. Like she says she's watching Taiwanese parliament at one point, like, oh, and they're just fighting. Like they're not having actual parliament. They're just like fist fighting each other. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. I do like when he just puts a hanger and just carries her to the closet. (laughs) You pay this woman to sit on babies? I do it for free. <laughs> I'd do it for nothing. <laughs> do it for nothing. I do it for nothing. I love it. I did like that part. I'm sorry, I gotta say. Yeah. It was, I think it was mostly just the Taiwanese parliament part. People were like, hmm, that feels weird. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally get that. But that scene where he does put her on a hanger, I always, since I was a kid, like, wanted to do that. Like, be Lift in a hanger up. somewhere. Yeah. No, no, no. I wanted to be yeah, yeah, yeah. in a yeah. hanger and, yeah. like, put in the closet <laughs> i don't know why that was, that was always something i wanted to happen to me hey hey i think we we're meant to be best friends because i always wanted to see if i could pick somebody up my hanger <laughs> if only we know each other we were younger we could have tried we would have tried we would have tried it yeah <laughs> this next one's one star from 2020 okay on letterbox there is a scene very early on where a man very publicly and very loudly fires his employee for shaking his hand with naked hands and then proceeds to clean his hands with hand sanitizer he keeps hanging on his belt like a gun holster in a 1960s <laughs> western flick steven soderbergh retire bitch <laughs> 
Okay, the way he pumps that hand sanitizer in his hand, it's a little much, I am going to say. Yeah. Uh, three and a half stars from 2020. I mean, y'all can hate, but what would you <laughs> fucking do if a cat showed up at your house? <laughs> But what would you do? <laughs> uh, probably call the police. <laughs> One star from 2017. The best Wes Anderson movie Wes Anderson never made. <laughs> that is a good point. I get it. I see it. Mm -hmm. One out of 10 from IMDb from 2003. Me, ouch. This cat needs to be neutered so it will bear no offspring. Well, he has a literal spade and neuter certificate in the contract. Yeah, he is. He already is. So if you actually watched the movie, you would know that. <laughs> I think I know more about American Girl Dolls than you do, genius. <laughs> yes, yes. I know more about Cat in the Hat than you do, genius. But this review says, A catastrophic attempt at a child's picture. Sexual references, product placement, and tons of makeup don't make for a great kids movie. Alas, it is not much of an adult film either. Not looking for much perfection here. Just expected something kids can actually watch without their parents squirming in their seats. Whoever let this cat out of the bag should put it back in. They're making a lot of puns for someone who hated this movie. Yeah. What ad placement do you remember? This is like a this is like a ride at Universal Studios. Oh. And it is. <laughs> Shameless. Shameless. Yes. I always thought that was fucking hilarious as a child. I like it too. And there's no way they do it and not know it's shameless. There's a reason yeah. why they're doing it. It's shameless. They literally he literally winks at you after he says it. Yeah. It kind of adds to it. I cut it's kind of fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, I think that type of product placement matches the vibe of the sh of the movie itself. Yeah. No stars on 2022 from Letterboxd. I refuse to give this a rating because this is not a real film. <laughs> this is a wild Ashton trip, nightmarish riddled with outstanding practical effects, immersive world building char and characterization, and a comedic performance teetering on the edge of both brilliance and horror. It's everything it needs to be for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> I suppose similar to how water can exist in multiple states of being, this is both a five out of five and a zero out of five. That's what I was trying to think. I was like, when we always write these at the end, I'm like, I don't know where I'm going to put this movie because I don't know where it belongs. Yeah. I don't know where the rating belongs. It belongs in the in the ether. Yeah. You know? like, it's just floating out there. Like we have our yeah. we have our all set movies right here. We're looking yeah. at them. There's no way you can we look over our shoulders and above us hovering is this movie. No rating. We just leave it there. How dare you try to ground this movie to your feeble human ideals of numbers, you know? <laughs> no kidding. How do you how do you put a number to this movie? I don't think you can. You can't. This movie doesn't know what numbers it, are. It, it, it's like a, a symbol that no one knows what it means. That's what that's yeah. what it belongs with. <laughs> like a hieroglyphic. Yeah, we'll just I'll, I'll make up a word and that'll be my rating, you know? <laughs> this next one is two stars from 2019. They say that good movies are memorable. Well, Cat the Hat must be good because I will never sleep again without <laughs> thinking of it. Yep. Another good way to put it. A another great way to put it, yeah. It may be insane, but I remember it. I didn't forget it. There's, I, I can't. I literally I can't. cannot. It won't let you. It won't let you forget it. Yeah. Three stars from 2020 on Letterboxd. I'll get you, and it'll look like a bloody accident. <laughs> this was wrongly promoted as a family film. It's an epic experimental fantasy crime drama with dark comedic elements, and it deserves its cult following. And if you disagree, you're not just wrong. You're stupid. <laughs> you're not just wrong. You're stupid. I love that. I and That's a great insult. You're not just wrong. You're stupid. You needed that for the science. Yeah. I did need that for science. Three stars from 2020. He says he's from Cheshire, England, and then proceeds to talk in a Shrekified Scottish accent. Yes. 
<laughs> this movie this movie is what i imagine a peewee's playhouse dr seuss mashup that was created inside of katya zamolochikova's head would be like <laughs> i am also unironically in love with the entire set of this movie from start to finish everything true everything mm -hmm. true katya could conceive this yeah, yeah. the yeah the cheshire england part like that's literally when i they literally talk like shrek that's it because he's yeah. he's scottish he only knows how to do one accent <laughs> yeah he knows how to do canadian scottish and that's it yeah Five stars from October of 2022 on Letterboxd. I think my therapist should know this is one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm just scared it'll reveal more about me than any of my traumas ever have. And honestly, same. There's some movies you don't reveal, reveal that you like. Too many people are going to put two and two together and be like, mm. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, that you makes make sense. more sense now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There's just some movies you don't admit that you like. Yeah, no. This is the last review I have. It's a 10 out of 10 from IMDb titled, Maybe Not for Kindergartners, but a fantastic, underappreciated movie from 2018. This is the perfect movie to show kindergartners. It's silly. It's loud. It's colorful. Why wouldn't you show this to a kindergartner? Yeah, I agree. I agree. This movie came out when we were like three and four. So we were around kindergarten age. So it, yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like this is a, it's a PG movie. Throw it on for a kindergarten. Who gives, who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Who gives a tune? <laughs> yeah. But they say this movie doesn't warrant the negative reviews it received. Sure. There is innu innuendo. Sure. There are comments that are going to be picked up by adults and probably not by kids. Just like a typical kids movie these days. This movie was campy by design, ridiculous by design, fantastical by design, and full of slapstick comedy and one-liners. My whole family has loved this movie since the teenagers were little. We quote it all the time. Maybe it's not some people's cup of tea and maybe some people overanalyze and overthink this movie by comparing it to other Mike Myers movies or what could have been with other actors. But I think it does a great job standing on its own and it's hilarious we watch it with some regularity oh i love that if you get it you get it you know mm -hmm. and like i get i and i get when people you know want to criticize it i understand yeah i understand both both sides of the coin i just don't think it's worth the energy it's not worth the energy it's not yeah that's a good point so i know we literally just talked about how there's no way to conceptualize a rating for this mm -hmm. movie yeah we don't have to rate it if you don't, because I can't really think of where I would even place this movie. I really don't, because I was going to ask you to go first and <gasps> just like get a base. Can we have a special category where we just can't rate movies? Yeah. Just a special thing where like... Yeah, we're, we're opting out of rating this one. Yeah, th this is our no stars one. Okay. Is there anything else you want to say? Uh... This is a weird movie, and it's fun to watch. Yeah. Just enjoy yeah. the ride. Just enjoy the ride. Okay. So... If you have any feedback for us or you want to suggest a movie to us, you can reach out to us on our Instagram at Easy Bake Takes. And we also have a TikTok at Easy Bake Takes. We also post our transcripts from our episodes and review overviews on our website, easybaketakespodcast.com. And we have a Letterboxd account where we post the same review overviews. That is Easy Bake Takes on Letterboxd. And don't forget to follow us, leave a review wherever you listen, and share us with a friend because it really helps us out a lot. And thank you so much for listening. My name is Kat. And I'm Riley. This has been Easy Bake Takes. Easy watching out there. Bye. Bye.